Hey guys, welcome back to episode 32 of Next on the Platform. Uh, this week, we are back. We've had some time off, uh, but I've decided to come back this week uh, with Andrew Blackwood. Andrew is actually, I think from memory, the first guest that I've met in real life, uh, which is surprising because we live just as far away as every other guest I've had on the podcast. Uh, but Andrew, uh, he's been to Australia. I'm going to talk about that. How are you today, man? I'm all good, man. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, and, I, and I'm I'm happy to have you on. Uh, you we met, I think, uh, last year, was it? Yeah, last yeah. year, I'd say probably August, September time. Yeah. Mm. So this you were in zero, uh, training with one of my mates now as well. Um, how did you end up in Australia? How did you did you get stuck here? Uh, like, walk <laughs> me through it. Yeah, so there's a, a long story behind that. So I'll try to give you the the brief version. But my girlfriend, she is half Australian, so her mum is Australian. And we decided that when we finished uh, the equivalent of like high school for you guys, um, we wanted to take a year out before we go to university and travel Australia. So since she has loads of family in Australia, it would be sort of easier for us to travel around. We can bounce between family members, stuff like that. So going over initially, our plan was to work in like a bar that our uncle owned and um we'd stay there for a little while earn up enough money for us to travel but uh when we got over initially i think we came over december time uh, and we landed into melbourne and we're staying in this small enough town it's a few hours from melbourne but this is right around the time of the bushfires so we're living in this sort of small wooden shack the, the area, there's trees everywhere and it's bushfire season. So I think we got to work about two shifts in this bar before we started getting text messages on our phone saying you need to evacuate the area. The bushfires are X kilometers away. Blah, blah, blah. So we've barely been in the country a week, two weeks, and we're getting messages from the government saying that we're in imminent danger of fire. So we sort of hung out for a couple of days, but it started getting to the stage where there's like, the sky is just filled with smoke. There's like black embers falling, like destroying your clothes, like horrible stuff. And one night in particular, like we, since we were in this wooden shack, you'd have to like hose down the deck and outside, hose down the house so it's wet in case the fire comes in the middle of the night. You'd have to pack the car full of your bags, get ready to go in case again, fires in the night. So we said, let's get out of this wooden house and move to her auntie's house, which is like a proper brick building. Uh, a bit safer than the wooden shack so a bit more fireproof uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so we went there and that night you could see out the back maybe a kilometer away if even a big forest on fire so we decided okay i suppose now is probably the time to get out of here when we could see the fire so after that we decided to evacuate from from this small town and go to melbourne and even in melbourne which is like it was still a bit removed from the fires the sky filled with smoke, like crazy shit. Like coming from Ireland, like there's there's nothing like that over here. We're just pretty chilled out. There's a bit of rain occasionally. That's it. Living in the midst of these fires. Looking two weeks into the Australia trip, we didn't know what to expect. So mm-hmm. now we're in Melbourne and we have not a lot of money. So my visa was valid for another 11 and a half months, but I maybe had like $1,000 to my name. So... That wasn't great. Now we're deciding what will we do for money, looking for jobs in Melbourne. Then a family friend um, said that we could work in this resort 
that they had. So they they own this like resort on the border of Victoria and New South Wales in a town called Atuga, if anyone knows it. Um, so we moved there and basically all we were doing in this place was like making beds. So just in the resort, we'd make the beds and then earn a bit of money doing that and then train. And that was sort of it. But that was cool as well because that place there was loads of kangaroos. The first time I saw a kangaroo, uh, it was amazing. You guys have all this crazy shit over there. We don't have it over here. So I was loving it. Um, and then I'd say maybe three weeks max into working in this resort, the whole COVID thing happened and uh, they decided one day we're going to have to shut the resort. We can't keep it open. Da, da, da. So now me and my girlfriend are sort of looking at each other going, what do we, our first job, we lasted less than a week. Now this job we've had for a couple of weeks and it's shutting down as well. What are we going to do? Like, are we going to get kicked out of a resort? That's where we were living. We didn't know what was going to happen, but thankfully the owner was generous enough to let us stay there for as long as we needed. We didn't really know what was going to happen. Two weeks to flatten the curve, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. So, yeah, two weeks to flatten the curve. So now we're stuck living in this empty resort where there's no one there's like 150 sort of villas in this resort and it's just us living here but gyms are closed everything is closed and at this time i was actually meant to be doing junior nationals with pa um i think i was meant to be like two months out initially it was meant to be in like i don't know like may so that's what i was prepping for and at this stage, I, the gyms are closed. I was like, Fuck, I, it might still be going on though. So like, I, I need to continue training somehow. So we we're trying anything we could. Actually, initially, if we rewind a bit, when we were living in the first place where the fires were, I bought myself an Ohio power bar for whatever it was, like $700, thinking I'd get to live in this place and train there. When we had to evacuate, I had to leave my Ohio power bar behind. So I was freaked about that. Yeah, I didn't know if it was going to burn. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, it was a Christmas present to myself that I didn't get to use once. So now we're in this place between the border of New South Wales and Victoria. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to train. I have a bar that's like a 18 hour drive away. I wonder if I can get it somehow. So thankfully we had like met some people. Somehow this guy works for a furniture removal company. He tells me that he can get this bar transported from here to here to here to here. And he eventually gets it to me. So now I have a bar but I need like a rack and weights. And I've contacted, almost contacted a hundred gyms trying to get weights. Nowhere was like getting back to me. They're like, oh yeah, we can lend you like 60 kilos. I'm like, oh, well, unfortunately, like that's not really enough. Like I need a bit more if I can. Um, and then lo and behold, the guy who actually transported my bar for me, he knew someone who owned an F45 in the local town. And I, I just knew F45 was like this functional training thing where it like, I, w I didn't think they would have something that would be what I was looking for. Um, but they, they were like nice enough to let me come in, see if there was anything that I needed. They had, I think it was like 220 kilos of weight. So I rented all of them from them. And so now I had a bar weight, but I needed like a rack to train out of. So <laughs> this is a, sort of a roundabout story. When the gyms were open, I was training away and there was a kid in there. He must have been, I think he was like 15 years old. Um, and he was squatting high bar, like 100 kilos, like astrograss, like a weightlifter. And I just said to him, I was like, oh, that's a really nice squat. And then we got talking and he was telling me that his sister's boyfriend was into powerlifting. And I was like, oh, we're in this tiny town. What's the odds that mm. there's someone into powerlifting here in this commercial gym? So I ended up meeting with the sister's boyfriend. 
and he had a home gym at the time so the first while when we were trying to gather all the equipment together this guy would let me train in his home gym and when we were there i was just saying to him i was like man do you think we'd be able to like make a rack out of wood and he was like oh shit yeah obviously so we went to the bunnings we just bought a load of timber went back to his shed and just hacked mm. together a uh, a wooden rack so that's up on my instagram you can see me training with my uh, my wooden rack under our villa that's a classic like a classic australian <laughs> response yeah of course we can build it mate we'll, we'll get on that right away absolutely wow, yeah that that was one of the like the most noteworthy things for me coming to australia everyone is like so friendly and hospitable and like would like help you out with your stuff that it was amazing whenever we were in a spot trouble there was always someone even if we'd only met them one time in our lives that were willing to go out of their way to help us so even though we had had a bit of a tumultuous time we we got plenty of help from the australian people so mm. Man, that I After cannot that. believe that some of that is actually. I, I mean, I know it's all true, but some of it just—it <laughs> sounds unreal. It like sounds like a terrible oh, first yeah. impression of Australia. You're having to leave your bar behind, and then moving again. It's two yeah. weeks. Uh, the the two weeks to flatten the curve thing makes me laugh. Here we are, oh, no. almost yeah. two. What is it? Almost. It would be almost two years yeah, later. Yeah, it would be now, almost yeah. two years two later. Years um, we we haven't had a good time in Australia. I, I'm lucky. Oh, you know no, where we yeah. live. I live up in Queensland, but. Um, yeah. Uh, the boys that I had on two, a couple of weeks ago, they were down. Paddy, Ryan, all those boys, they're down in Sydney, yeah, Melbourne, yeah. having a having a rough time, no training or anything. Um, but yeah, I remember very, seeing very a video. Cool. When I first came across your Instagram, it was because Kieran showed me. Uh, and it was a yeah. video of you squatting out of a wooden rack or you were deadlifting in some like <laughs> empty yeah, like yeah. garage, outdoor, <laughs> undercover yeah. area. And I was like, what is this guy doing? He's like, yeah, he's in Australia. <laughs> I was like, I just saw it and I was like, oh, he must live somewhere that's quite unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, and, and you were here and which has been quite unfortunate for su- for some yeah. time now um but yeah man and then so you ended up 15 minutes away from me how did that happen getting up to queensland yeah so after that we were still living in this resort but again three months down the line we're we're stuck here and we're thinking we we need to get out of this place but like we haven't got to do any real travel in australia yet so Things had just opened up, so we, we were like, okay, we have a load of luggage. We'll drop that off in Melbourne uh, with your auntie, and then we'll go off and we'll travel to Sydney and then Queensland. Queensland was always the, the planned go-to destination, but there was like restrictions at the time. You had to be out of Victoria for 14 days and stuff like that. So we said, okay, we'll go to Melbourne, drop stuff off, go to Sydney for the 14 days, and then we'll get into Queensland, and that's where we really want to go to. So... I won't get into the full story. Basically, when we got to Melbourne, we had flights booked. They decided they're going to close the borders between uh, Victoria and New South Wales the morning before we had our flights booked. So they wouldn't refund our flights. We ended up having to hitchhike like a 16-hour drive with (laughs) someone we've never met. Yeah, uh, to be able to cross the border in time because we knew if we stayed in Victoria, like when they closed the border they were just going to lock down and we were going to get stuck there and there was no point in us staying in australia if we were going to get that mm. fucked over that many times can so i like, ask no how we... sorry can i ask how you got uh in the car with someone and they let you like what how did the conversation go hey man uh can so, we go in the car with you for a day it's even worse than that so we had we were in melbourne at this time the flights were cancelled we knew the borders were closing uh, the next day so we had to get a last minute train back to where the resort was 
on the border between New South Wales and Victoria that we had just left and thought we would never have to see again. <laughs> we had to go back there that night because that was on the border and we'd be okay there. At least we could get onto the one side. But when we were here, now it's like a 16-hour drive to, uh, to Sydney where we had accommodation booked for a grand and a half. So we had to like make it to that accommodation the next day because like if we lost that money, it was non-refundable. We were totally screwed. So no matter what, we had to get to Sydney the next day. We had to find a way to do it. So we were trying to look on public transport. Is there a bus that we can get from here to here? Is there a train? Is there anything? And the only way you can do it is to get, it's like an eight-hour bus from here to another town that links up with another eight-hour train from there to Sydney. So we were ringing them, trying to book it, like find any way to do it. And they said that the soonest they could do it, because either the, the bus would be booked out or the train would be booked out, we couldn't find one that would link up properly. They said, we can do it for you on Thursday evening. So we would have lost the first night of our accommodation, but we would have got there eventually. So we're like, okay, we'll do it. That night, after we had booked it and paid for it, they texted us to say, sorry, your bus route has been cancelled because it would have to go in between the borders. Uh, we're not running any more services from that direction. So now we're stuck with no public transport. Our flight has been cancelled. Everything has fallen apart on us. So we, we have no way to get there. And our last sort of resort is let's just post up on the Achuka community Facebook group. Is there anyone who's going to Sydney? <laughs> so we, we put that up and it was, I'd say, probably 4 p.m. And we hadn't eaten since like the night before just because we had to rush so much. We had to get the last minute train to this place. So we haven't eaten in probably like 12 hours at this stage. We put it up. We're on our way to the shop to get food. As we post on Facebook, is anyone going to Sydney? Some guy hits us back straight away. Yeah, I'm going to Sydney. But like, if you can come to my house right now, we can go. So we have like still not eating food. We go to this stranger's house and we just get in the car and he's driving up to Queensland for work. So he offers to drop us off on Sydney, like on, on route to where he's going. And we just get in and we drive, prepared to drive through the night. Um, it was very stressful because obviously we know we're not going to get to eat today and we're going to have to go through the night. And I'm sort of like paranoid that like I have to stay awake to make sure he stays awake so the car doesn't crash or blah, blah, blah. And we'd actually, have you seen Wolf Creek? Uh, no, but I've heard about you it. You know about it, the backpack yeah. murders and stuff like that. For whatever reason, we had watched Wolf Creek the night before. Oh, that's this, not good. This Australian guy who murdered backpackers, and here we were in the mm. exact situation, having to get in the car with a stranger. Mm. So we get in the car. I'm staying awake to make sure he stays awake. But at about midnight, we uh, stop in Wagga Wagga. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows about that. I didn't know about Wagga Wagga, but it's a nice place. Uh, we get a motel. And then in the morning, we get up again and we we finish the rest of the journey. And then we get to Sydney. We spend 14 days in Sydney and then we move on to Queensland. And that's when everything was just paradise. Amazing. Yeah. We'd gone through all the shit in the initial part of our uh, of our travels, but it was worth it when we got to Queensland. Mm. So we, we got there. We were looking for a gym. Found zero, thankfully. Um, amazing gym. Shout out to Thomas Lilly. Um we had an Airbnb on Surface Paradise. We'd just get the, the tram up to the gym. Um, basically, living like a professional athlete, I was going to the beach, training, eating, and that was it. Uh, chilling out, got to meet amazing people like yourself, Kieran, all the guys at Zero. And uh, that's that's where we got to uh, We got to first meet. Bloody hell, man. What a story. I cannot believe that. <laughs> eh? that, that, yeah. it, it, that sounds like the most stressful couple months <laughs> ever ever lived Absolutely. that's incredible dude and you ended up 
from Ireland, 15 minutes away from my house, and here we are <laughs> uh, a year later. Yeah. Um, man, I cannot believe it. And you, so you were training through that whole thing as much as you yeah, could, obviously. I was about to say there there probably wasn't a period where I missed more than three days of training during all that, I'd say. So you made it work, yeah. and here you yeah. are at zero. Did you end up doing nationals <laughs> or it was cancelled? Yeah, so it got postponed about three times, I'd say. Mm. But in the end, they settled on a date in whatever it was, like October or November. So I'd been going into like peaking phase and then cancelled and then peaking phase and then cancelled. So I hadn't really been able to build much strength if anything over this the course of the year obviously it was messy enough anyway with gyms being closed mm. but by the time it came around i think i had like a good run of i had about three months of like really really good training in zero with all the crew there leading up to uh pa nationals and i actually i came first in the 94 kilo class which was a uh, pretty cool after all of that, that was, after all that stress yeah, yeah. and well, what's even funnier is because they Melbourne still had to do their like section of the PA nationals. They did it in all different cities and then like amalgamated the scores together. But I had gone back to Ireland by the time that the official results were in. So they had to post my medal to me back to Ireland. I think it cost like $60 or something. To send me wow. my medal. They didn't, so, they uh, didn't make yeah. you pay for it, did they? Not they they sent it to us. I was so, going to uh, say. That was funny. Well, I know uh, they'll, ne- they'll never let an Irishman compete in PA again. No. And you've probably heard that PA has gone to shit now. Um, oh, I know. I was going to ask you that. What's mm. the what's the story there? Yeah. So, the sto- well, actually, I don't know if you can even legally talk of it now. You can. <laughs> yeah. But, right, um, right. There's some, <laughs> there's some, from you Americans listening as well, there was a drama with yeah. Wilkes. Um, you'd know him as the Wilkes formula, of course. Uh, he 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 split from the IPF. He made the he made on well, the IPF, but he made his own federation. And here yeah. we are, yeah. however however long later, and he's gone down legally. So uh, the federation will too, um, just yeah. despite him, even though he's not a part of it anymore. Uh, or no, he is still a part of it, but people are leaving anyway. Yeah. I think that's why um, the name is tarnished. Yeah. So APU and PA are going to be uh, APU and APL. Sorry, are going to be bigger federations yeah. now. For one that I'm in. Um, so after all that, man, that whole story, I was thinking, I think here we are thinking that Worlds is going to be the best part. And that story was amazing. Um, so you're back in Ireland now. You're training out of yeah. a shed that you built, I've been told as well. Um, yeah. yeah. How, obviously, you guys listening, Andrew's just competed at World, right? At Worlds. It was Sweden, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so yeah. What, what expectations did you have going into Worlds after a, a rocky year of training? Uh, you're back in Ireland. How how long are you back training in Ireland before Worlds? It's been, what, like so, eight months now? Yeah, so when I came back to Ireland from Australia, I left Australia in December 2020. Um, but at that time, Ireland, so do you know how Melbourne is in a tough lockdown moment where you can't go like mm-hmm. outside a kilometre of your house, whatever? That was the restrictions in Ireland when I came home. So every single thing was closed. You had like a 5K limit outside of your house that you could go to, uh, so on. So that stayed in place until about June, I think. So gyms were closed in Ireland from January to June. So when I got home, I knew, okay, I'm going to get fucked over with no gym. So I better build a home gym. So that's what I did. In the depths of winter in Ireland, it was like whatever, minus two or three degrees during the day. 
I'm out in my back garden with a shovel trying to dig holes for the foundations to lay concrete to build a shed to make this home gym. Finally get the shed built. I place an order with Alico for all my like bar plates, stuff like that in beginning of January, thinking, okay, it'll take maybe a couple of weeks for them to come in because the I knew a few other people who had ordered them and that was the general time frame. Yeah. Whatever reason, when they were meant to arrive for me, Alika reached out to the sort of distributor and said, Oh, we accidentally oversold too much equipment. We won't be able to get you anything until about May or June. So I'm like, What? <laughs> oh my God. So I'm there sort of scratching my head for ideas how to train. Found a way, sort of bending the rules a little bit. We won't go into it too much, but we, we managed to get a little bit of training two or three days a week. Um, and unfortunately I ended up losing just a lot of weight, not being able to train properly, coming home, moving back in my house at home versus living by myself in Australia or with my girlfriend in Australia. We were getting to do our own shop and cook our own meals. Now back home it's a bit messier. The family are eating the food that I've like laid out for me to eat for myself. I, I went from it. about I I'd say 96, 96, 97 kilos down to like ninety kilos during the middle of yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah. And then finally, my equipment came in in about May. So yeah. I was able to get cracking training by myself. And um, since then, everything has just been going up. Like I've, my, my body weight has been going up. Training numbers have been going up. I've been loving training by myself. I don't know why. I first actually experienced it training with the wooden rack by myself under the sort of villa where we were. For whatever reason, I just felt I could get really good performances out of myself training when I'm alone, even mm. taking like heavy squat singles, just by myself in the zone. I just could get good performances out of myself. So for the past, whatever it's been, uh, five months or so, I've just been working away in my shed and um, leading up to worlds was like the best sort of period of training I've ever had. Physically, I was in the best shape ever, but about, two or three weeks out for whatever reason just the stress or like the nerves of worlds really got to me just mm. knowing that it the, like the judging was so strict and i was watching like the streams leading up to it and like they were calling squats for depth that like on the slow-mo replay like they're good like one or two inches in and i'm like what the fuck? like i'm gonna bomb out this is gonna be awful so I was super, super stressed leading into it. And I, every training session, I was trying to like bury my squats as much as possible just to like make them totally undeniable. Um, but even still, like I just, I was, I wasn't sure leading into this competition what the, the judging was going to be like. Thankfully, it rolled around. And um, when I was competing squats, got my first two on the board. My third squat, they uh, they called for that, but I wasn't I wasn't too put out by it because there was a lot of other people, even in my own class, but in the competition overall, who were much harder done by than I was. There's a lot of people going one for three on squats or like bombing out totally on squats. Mm. Um, what did you end up squatting so, for your second, and what did you miss for your third? Uh, I squatted two six two point five for my second attempt, yeah. and then two seventy third that they called for that. Um, in training, I'd squat 272.5 uh, easily enough as well. That's the thing. Like during the prep, 
strength wise I thought I was good for like 280 plus um but I knew I wasn't even going to attempt that at the competition just because I was so uh apprehensive about what the judging calls would be like so going into the competition I was thinking 270 275 if I even get my first two on the board that'll be cool mm-hmm. um but the the judging in fair like it was it was fair they they just don't give you any slack if it's borderline they'll call it you just have to make sure you're you're yeah. undeniably to the standards it's just part of the game at that level um and it's up to me the lifter to um to work mm-hmm. to those standards so uh, i don't have any complaints with uh with the way the judging was held that competition it's, it was a good learning experience so for what's to come mm-hmm. thankfully i wasn't putting like too much pressure on myself to place or anything so i'm only 20 so i still have like three years left in the junior category um to sort of climb the rankings internationally so this one for me was more so to get a feel for how the competition is sort of structured what the judging is like just take in the sort of world's experience um and then future competitions now now we know sort of where the strike zone is and we can put the head down and climb the rankings hopefully Hmm. so uh how did you end up going uh on bench and deadlifts as well so bench uh opener i took 145 then jumped to 152 for my second both felt really good back was cramping a little bit uh but that's sort of standard i'm pretty sure everyone goes through that so yeah. uh i was confident i took a 157 for my third i was confident that would be there but for whatever reason it was the same at european championships that i did uh a couple of years previously my feet just kept slipping on the platform and when i tried to set my arch just my feet would slide under me a good few inches so yeah when I unwrapped my third attempt, my right foot slid about three or four inches and I just knew straight away, okay, it's not going to be there. Mm. <laughs> I brought it down. I got it a couple inches off the chest and it just, mm. oh, I wasn't in a strong position. Again, it's, it just is what it is, part of the game. I wasn't too fussed by it because I know it's something that we can sort of address for the next mm. one. Uh, and then deadlifts, that is my favorite lift. So it's always exciting coming into that one. Uh, open 290, flew easy, jumped 305 for my second. Again, was easy enough, and then took 315 for my third. And uh, that was a, a good call. The only sort of unfortunate thing about Worlds was since my last competition was with Powerlift in Australia, uh, that total that I registered for that competition wasn't recognized for World Championships. It's not an ITF affiliate federation. Uh, the weight class was 94 kilos as opposed to 93. So the the registered and nominated total that I had going into Worlds was about two years old. So they put me into the weaker flight of lifters. So we went first. So I wasn't going to be able to sort of play any tactics or sort mm-hmm. of jostle for medals. I just had to go out first, hit my biggest lifts, and then it would be up to the people in the second flight they can just see what I hit. And then if they can chip me for a medal, they just load the extra two and a half, do the least that they have to. Um, so that was the only sort of unfortunate thing. But now going forward, now I have an updated total. So for future competitions, I should be in the the proper flight. Hmm. So did you end up placing? I can't remember. I've seen the post, but... I came fourth by two and a half kilos on deadlifts. And then I think I placed eighth overall on total. I still think that's incredible, man. Obviously, Worlds is the, the hardest competition and, and it's uh, you haven't had an easy couple of years of training. 
um if if you're listening and you're you know uh and and your training conditions are pretty easy just think about the year the 2020 (laughs) that andrew had in uh, australia um and just consider if you should be complaining or not about your circumstances uh just you know make it work as andrew did um so what about like the atmosphere did you meet new people like i I seen you you met russ as well and and some other guys yeah yeah Yeah, that it was phenomenal it was like an amazing experience just meeting all the the best lifters in the world in a warm-up room like you're looking around and you're locking eyes with the best lifters in your category in the world like this the, the top of the top uh like gavin aiden uh matt vayner like these people are just they're training they're warming up on the same rack as you so it's uh definitely a cool experience there and then you go to the main itf hotel and there's just superstar lifters walking around left right and center and just in the lobby doing normal human stuff that uh sometimes people think they're like superhuman because mm. all you see is instagram but uh yeah. Yeah, it was definitely very cool to to meet lifters like Bryce Prochick and Russell Orhi and people like that. Mm, that's awesome, man. I'm incredibly jealous. Um, yeah. And so you're obviously pretty pleased with, you know, how it ended up turning out? Yeah. So overall, I'm quite happy. Obviously, the two missed lifts, we don't want to miss any lifts. Ideally, we'd be going on for nine and we'd hit huge, massive PBs and we'd win the thing. But... Uh, Overall, for what I went to do just to gain the experience, I'm, I'm happy with how I did. And now my initial plan after this competition was going to be to move up to the 105 kilo class and get building to try for Worlds next year. I probably wouldn't be competitive yet. Um, but then for the year after that and the year after that. But from talking to a couple of the other Irish lifters, I think we decided that we'd go ahead and do European championships that are... They wouldn't normally be this close to Worlds, but they're in eight weeks from now. Normally, Worlds would be a bit earlier in the year, and then Euros would be sort of around that time. Mm. But we have eight weeks now. We'll go again, do Euros, and then after Euros, I'd say that's when I'll move up to the 105 kilo class. So you're back-to-back preps with not even a week between. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the plan at the moment anyway. Yeah. That's incredible. When I come out of a prep, I'm like, all right, I don't want to do a single for another six months. I'm done. I don't want to even look at a single. Uh, oh, the, the ment- I mean, like physically, it's obviously going to be challenging, but mentally, yeah. dude, like is, is prep challenging for you mentally? I know obviously prep for Worlds would be, as you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. normally is it? Normally, it's, I love it until the last week or two and that's <laughs> when the sort of stress kicks in. It's yeah. always amazing when you're far enough out that it's like yeah. <laughs> you're a bit removed from it. But when it's actually like crunch time. I'll deal with those issues closer yeah. to comp. And then the time <laughs> exactly. comes to deal with those issues. Yeah. And then it all comes crashing down. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I think it being so close to Worlds is a bit easier because I've just gone through it. Mm. Um, so I, I have the experience to say, okay, I, I did one at Worlds. I just need to repeat the process, maybe refine it a little bit, clean things up a small bit, and we'll, we'll go again. But it's interesting enough, for whatever reason, the sort of totals and the standard lifting always seems to be a small bit higher at European Championships than it is at World Championships. Um, and I'm not sure if it's the judging is like slightly more relaxed or if people can get away Travel? with a bit more stuff. Traveling as well? Yeah, could be. That could be the case. Um I don't know, for whatever reason, the totals are just that bit higher, it's that bit more competitive, that, that bit closer. So yeah. it'll be an interesting competition to see where we're at 
Um, I think, I think it was uh, US, well, USVI, Virgin Islands lifter yeah. first, and then Canadian lifter second in my class. So that'll be them two gone, but who knows? There'll be some random country that comes out of nowhere that yeah. could win this one. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the standings are for European Championships. Mm, that's exciting, man. Um, when I was uh, preparing for, before we move away from your deadlift, uh, when I was preparing for this episode, I reached out to Kieran. I said, "Hey, Kieran, these are my topics. What do you think?" He goes, "Good." No. But ask him about his deadlift. <laughs> he said he has some interesting deadlift cues, and you, you mentioned you pulled three fifteen. So obviously, a massive deadlifter. Yeah. What? Why does Kieran want me to ask you about your deadlift? <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, what interesting cues do I have? One of my main cues is uh, I like to sort of. Uh, it's a bit of a contentious topic. Some people don't like it. Upper back rounding. So the Go main sort it. of way, I, the way I think about it is I sort of like contract my chest. So it sort of contracts my shoulder blades and just brings everything a little bit more forward. Um, yeah, so I just like now my cues are literally just like squeeze my chest and I drop down to the bar and then I do a bit of a hip pump. I slam my shins to the bar and then the bar just comes up. The, that's the extent of my my cues at the moment. I remember I was trying to help Kieran with his uh, sumo deadlift back in zero, and we we got it pretty good. Um, so yeah, that that might be where he's coming from. Mm. That's um uh, pretty simple. As someone who's learning sumo right now, I'm <laughs> quite jealous. Those are the cues you, you're using, and not well, trying well, to think about seventy four <laughs> other things. But I suppose you've been through all that. Um, that being said, I it probably took me three years. To get good at sumo deadlift, like to get it a fun. I've tried every stance width, every foot angle, every I don't know back position, every yeah. everything before I got good at it. And now, thankfully, it's just second nature. So mm. it's and a little I, bit crushing to hear, it. to be honest. Three years is a long time, <laughs> but, but I, I know yeah, what yeah, I'm in get... for. <laughs> You'll yeah, get man. there. You'll get there. Get there. Yeah. So what what would you reckon um, for like a new sumo puller? What 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 yeah. um. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of things to learn for someone like me who's just getting into it. But looking back, what was like an important thing that you ended up learning? The main things for me that just that helped the most was just spending time in the positions. So doing things like double pause deadlifts or like tempo deadlifts, uh, like anything where you are just spending a lot of time in these positions. Um, that was what helped me the most. Eventually, your body will just like, find the position that is drives true trial and error if you just keep hammering away at it your body will find the way that is most efficient for you so that's i would just spend hours and hours and hours and hours with like 170 on the bar doing like double pause deadlifts trying every different angle that's just what worked for me well what do i know i'm just like a guy i just spent a lot of time hammering and hammering and hammering and i wish there was one just like quick fix but I just had to keep going. One thing that I do notice, I feel like a lot of people are too extended in sumo deadlifts. That's just one thing that across the board I see a lot. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people could benefit from a slightly more rounded back. Um, that would be one of the only things that I correct. Well, like I, I correct that I would like point out to someone if they asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found for me rounded backs, well, slightly rounded. Obviously, we don't want to be like a cat back deadlift, but. Uh, a slightly rounded upper back and just spend a lot of time finding mm-hmm. what works. I um 
yeah, it's, it's interesting that you said chess together because I've been my you know my I'm work obviously working with my coach on it. Uh, he yeah. he's been telling me like scaps apart. So you know, same thing as yeah. putting your chest together. It's enforcing yeah. a little bit of back uh, upper back rounding just for to decrease a little bit of range of motion because I'm not the most gifted uh, deadlifter <laughs> naturally. Yeah. Um, so yeah. any range of motion that we can cut, we want to cut out. Uh, cheating, yeah. as some people would call it, cheating. <laughs> um, oh, if you're speaking not of cheating, che- you're not trying. That's it, man. And speaking of cheating. Um, this is a topical one. What uh, you would have seen Jen's post about the bench press thing. Oh, You've seen oh, me make yeah, a joke great. about it. You've seen yeah. everyone else make a joke about it. What do you yeah. think? Um, and, and and any you know, we're not going to shame you on any opinion. More If I could arch like that, I absolutely would. That's my take. Yeah. If, if like, <laughs> I have a I have a not great bench. Uh, like I'm I'm good at deadlifts. I've sort of long ish arms. Uh, I'm built for deadlifts. I'm good at that. I'm not very good at bench. <laughs> I have a sort of a bit of a long way to go in bench. If I could arch like that and I had like leverages that would allow me to do that, absolutely I would do it. And Respect I think to anyone who can do it. I think anyone who doesn't give that exact answer doesn't care enough about winning. Because I think if you yeah. don't give that exact answer, if yeah. you can't get over pride or ego or whatever it is with, you know, these bigger range of motion benches, if you can't get past it and just be like, hey, this is what I need to do to win. This is going to make me a better lifter, a better power lifter. If you're like holding back on some belief that arching is easier. No. Sure. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, I- I've noticed with a bigger arch, it's getting easier. Why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's easier. Actually, can I interject? Of course. I actually, for whatever reason, I'm getting comments on my posts now about how I'm half prepping and how I, someone commented, I woke up this morning, a bench post from about two weeks ago. Someone commented, bro, who told you this was okay? You're not even activating your chest. You need to get your act together. This sort of thing. Bro. Is it, was it on a reel? Was it a reel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't, man. You uh, cannot. You cannot post anything that will sh- sh- be shown to anybody new. You can't post TikToks. You uh, can't. Po- Dude, imagine if they. Uh, I don't know if you follow Thien. Um, this Instagram is Pro Thien Shake. Yeah, um, but yeah. he he's got a TikTok presence, and his arch is like, uh, yeah. it's like it's like Nori's or even better. Yeah, uh, but he yeah. he benches with a shirt off a lot because he's in a home gym. Yeah, okay, so yeah, you can okay. actually see it. And it's incredible. And the comments that he gets are hilarious. And he posted up on yeah. his story. Shout out, Thane. Um, But like, just abuse. Like actual abuse yeah. for people who don't powerlift. And but it's the, like... The worst I mean, part is you go onto their account and it's just some like some loser. They don't even have anything on their page. It's like mm. and nobody, someone who doesn't even lift or has no... Mm. I don't know. Their, their opinion holds Pe- no weight. I don't know. I think even if your opinion does, because... Arguably, you could say that Jen's opinion holds weight yeah. because she was an 11-time world champion or whatever she has in her bio. Yeah. So, I think even even when your opinion does hold weight, it's still disappointing when <laughs> yeah. it's like, these are the rules and if you can't accept them, move on from the sport. Go and... Yeah, and- go go on, go. No, 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 you go, man. And another interesting thing with Jen's post was she was complaining about the bench, blah, 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 and... I think it was Marissa that made a very good point that it's totals that matter in the meet because the the girl in question, like I was I was in the crowd watching her bench the the sort of the one that oh, uh, yeah. Jen Thompson is complaining about, um, and I think she was one of the first people out to deadlift, and she was off the person who like there you go she was like forty kilos off the people's deadlift mm. so 
totals win competitions. Like that is the point. But mm-hmm. then I think Jen Thompson's rebuttal was not in a bench only meet. But I don't what think is the that? IPF does bench only meet. So why would you? you... <laughs> that that honestly, that's a great argument because it just makes her look even sh- like worse. Yeah, because like, what is your point? Because okay, yeah, it's like. There's um, there's probably some guys who are really good in a dunking only basketball contest, but you know because they're seven foot. But how well does a seven foot player move on the court? You know, like yeah. have you seen yeah. Shaq run? Have you? I mean, like he's a bit of an outlier. <laughs> but there's yeah. other guys. You know, they they don't move the same. So there's there's disadvantages yeah. to everything. And it's exactly. like these exactly. comparisons. The in the caption I made, if if anyone hasn't seen my post, I said. You know, uh, I'd be I'd be better at powerlifting if I was better at powerlifting. It's like, <laughs> you know, I'd also make a great car if I had wheels and an engine. It's like, well, you don't, you're not, yeah. or you haven't. So it's like, yeah. you know, accept it and move on. And you'd think someone of her age, her experience, you know, eleven time world yeah. champion, you'd think you would imagine has come to terms with the rules, the state of the sport, and yeah. her own accomplishments. But somehow. I mean, it has to be an ego thing, and I'm, I wanted to yeah. rant about this because it was annoying me. That's why I made a that's why I made Go a on, joke about going, it. Um, but it's like it has to be an ego thing because it's like you know this is obviously she, she's an untested lifter, right? She benches like one eighty. She benches more than me. She's untested, right? No, uh, I'm not actually sure. I, I'm I gonna know. double check so I don't get yeah. it wrong. Uh, Jen Thompson, she I'm fairly sure she benches benches a lot of weight. Uh, yeah. let's have a look here. Oh no, maybe, maybe not. She's only, oh yeah, 320 pounds. Okay. So maybe she is a natural lifter. Well, whatever. Um, yeah. that doesn't really mean anything. Um, <laughs> but it's like, uh, I've lost my train of thought, but the thing is like, you get to enough experience. It's like there, there are teenagers with more mature opinions than that. Like, come on. Yeah. Like it's, you come into like art, powerlifting is, a very welcoming sport. The, 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 you know, the biggest dudes you've, you've trained at zero. You've met dudes yeah. who are 150 big, scary looking dudes. <laughs> they're lovely. Yeah. They're always so nice. Like the sport is very accepting, yeah. but when you say something stupid like that, you experience yeah. the repercussions and you saw on her post Absolutely. 500 comments, right? She ended up having to delete it because, you know, it, like yeah. people like Sean Noriega, uh, Evan, Evans Glasgow, like, the top yeah. comments were all people that I follow, uh, Callum, yeah. a couple of the other boys, and and they were making well those boys. A couple of them were just like <laughs> delete this, like this is embarrassing. But yeah. a few yeah. of them were making really good points, and the yeah. rest of the even the people I didn't follow, uh, there was like I, I think I scrolled through for like thirty seconds, and there was one comment that had about thirty likes. Yeah. It was like yeah, like they need to change the rules. That's like okay, let's change yeah. the rules, right? Give me your best idea. What is your best idea? There's a, you know, uh, I think the only plausible idea, because we don't have laser cameras, we can't see joint yeah. angles, we can't see minimum depth, we can't see where your elbow is passed, right? That's impossible. Yeah. I think the only plausible thing, which still doesn't even really make that much sense, would uh, grip width based on weight classes. So yes. big boys could go max width, you know, 56 kilo girls have to have their pinky at most on the ring right but that's still that it still doesn't work because when i when i think about that it's not going to change leverages or limb lengths if someone who has short arms it's still going to have short arms more like if i had to move my grip in uh, the same way someone else had to move their grip in we're both like i'm just going to get fucked over even more 
yeah, that, like that's exactly right. Bench, it's just going to have a worse bench. And yeah, then and it's people... ironic because she pulls sumo. So if you're going to say that arching is cheating, you also yeah. have to go by the logic that sumo is cheating because yeah. arching is just they reducing push, range of motion. Yeah, so push the range of motion there. Same with sumo, right? But she pulls sumo. So it's like... it. <laughs> Let's say she was a conventional deadlifter, close grip bench. She's like, I hate arching. That's pretty... T- Let's say John Hack, right? Pretty yeah. typical, like, anti-arch. It- it's not hypocritical, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But yeah. when you're on the premise that range of motion is the most important thing, or skill, or, you know, show of strength, yeah. and then you go and pull sumo, it doesn't make any sense. So, we-, we have to think she's insecure about her bench because someone's done a better yeah. job at a lighter weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And is natural. I don't. I don't know if Jen's natural or not. Forgive me, but um, it, it, it you know she's seen this bench press. She's jealous, envious, whatever, yeah. or, or afraid to admit it. And it's like, hey, I'll make a post. And 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 she's seen the you know. I she didn't see what I posted. Unfortunately, I would have loved to stir up some drama. I'm sure. I'm sure she wasn't going through her story mentions because I'm sure there was a lot of them. And she didn't yeah. check our DM that I my DM that I sent her on the podcast. Uh, so Jen, yeah. if you're listening, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I would have loved to talk to her about it. Um, but yeah. and then she deletes the post and and it was uh oh stirring up too much negativity. Well, it's like yeah, when you te- when you stir up negativity, yeah. you tend to stir up negativity, right? Yeah. And, Try to and- discredit someone else's lift. Yeah, and I didn't even read the whole post, the, the the recent one. It was like, it was just cope. Like, she was just backtracking and obviously said something stupid. Oh, no, I did read it because she said, I didn't take it down because I thought I was wrong. So, after all of that, after 400 comments, however many story mentions, however many logical arguments, you still don't think that you're wrong? And it's like... At that point, it's like, let's, who cares? Like, let's not even yeah. bother. You know, let's not give it yeah. any more attention, which is ironic because we yeah. are right now. But uh, <laughs> uh, didn't even come to terms with the fact that she was wrong. You know, what, what does it take to convince a person like that that they're wrong? 500 comments. Oh, yeah. ha- ha- what, people people don't like admitting it. Yeah, well, that's, even, I mean. Even, and, if, even if she does acknowledge it, people don't like admitting they're wrong. This is Especially what I think. publicly. <laughs> if she had to change her mind and be like, okay, I'm wrong, she could have written that yeah. caption and left that sentence out. But she still yeah. said, and I don't yeah. think I'm wrong. So I think it's a bit of a lost cause. I think it's a terrible yeah. example for women, for powerlifting itself. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how much people are going to validate her opinion from now on anyway. But um, yeah. sorry for the rant. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> that was enjoyable. Um, yeah. No, I, I, you know. I have, I'd have more to say if I was, if I was prepared for it, but yeah, it, it, it was, when I saw it, I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to make a joke about it, you know, like, uh, undercut her argument even more. And, and my joke was that if, if I was better at powerlifting, I'd be better at powerlifting. Um, but yeah, man, it's disappointing to see from, she's got like a hundred thousand followers or however many, like it's disappointing. I mean, because a lot of people saw that post. If you saw it, it was yeah. when I th- when I got taken out. I think it was sixty thousand views, five hundred comments, and it was like a thousand likes. So like yeah. one in sixty people <laughs> liked it, yeah. which is saying something that you're yeah. wrong. <laughs> Your opinion's wrong. <laughs> but yeah, man. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, I'm glad I got to talk about that because that was just building up inside. <laughs> to let it all out. Um, man, my laptop is getting low for some reason. I, uh, my laptop's broken and I can only, I can either do the podcast or charge. I can't do both anymore. Um, so before we wrap up, <laughs> okay. man, what, what, what are the yes. plans, plans now for the off season? And, and obviously European championships coming up. What are the yeah. plans after that? Is it going to be some time off or are you going to be straight back at it for worlds 2022 or what's going to happen? 
So at the moment, I'm sitting around 94, 95 kilos. So I'll do a small cut, like a water cut down to make 93 for European Championships. And after that, I will be diving into trying to build weight into the 105 class. So however long that process takes, obviously we don't want to get fat. We don't want to get sloppy. It might take, I don't know, a year, two years, whatever it takes. I'm going to try, move slowly. It might be the case that, say next year when Worlds rolls around, whatever weight I am, just compete. I might, I might, yeah, I might get selected to do it. I might be fortunate enough to get selected, uh, and I'll go ahead and do it. If not, I'll happily continue to build, and then the year after that, thankfully, I just have time. Like I have so much time ahead of me to be able to play around with these things and build weight and just take take my time with it. Mm. So you might see me not compete for a year. I might end up doing worlds. I might end up doing Euros. I don't know. Well. Uh, We'll take each uh, each block as it comes and just try, get jacked, get strong, and uh, see how the, the cards fall. Awesome, man. Well, well, best of luck for the European Championships. I'll be I'll be watching your prep if you if you keep up to date with posting it. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'd love to have you back on maybe after European, see how it goes. Um, but yeah, man, thanks. Thanks heaps for coming on. And can I just say you made my job very easy. I think I asked about five questions the whole time, which is absolutely amazing. That's exactly what I wanted. A lot of Um, rambling. That's, Hey, (laughs) I'm not going to complain at all. That was, you know, um, but yeah, just, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Have a good, have a good day, man. And of course, best of luck. Uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Cheers. Talk to you soon, man. Thank you.